0: You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it
1: down. To wide open. <laughs> Touchdown Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right
2: away. All the of out there, man. I
3: really
4: hope you soon jump on his bandwagon.
3: Waddle. Waddle. To a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking. Steps up. Fires. Touchdown. Okay. It! It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the day.
0: Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now.
4: Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, golf fans? And welcome to the drive time podcast part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on this Friday show, going to change it up for you guys a little bit. We do not, we are not going to do the mailbag because we have opening press conferences for Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson, we will hear from them on a busy week that's not slowing down anytime soon. We'll also hear from the assistant coaches with Josh Boyer, Frank Smith, I believe we have quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel, linebackers coach Anthony Campanelli, and much, much more there. Plus, we'll welcome an EJ Snyder from Bears Over Beers to talk Chicago Bears, Miami Dolphins Sunday from Soldier Field. All of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so we open here on this Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast with some audio from newcomer Bradley Chubb, who, of course, signed his contract extension down here with the Miami Dolphins. Going to get used to seeing plenty of him. 23 and 26 years old off the edge with he and Jalen Phillips, not to mention Emmanuel Ogba, Melvin Ingram, Andrew Van Ginkle. You have to be excited about this position group and continued roster building in a way that has put this team in position to have veterans and young players contributing on very high levels to balance the salary cap and the positional financial allocation of all that. It just looks really good. Another example of it right here. Let's go ahead and go to Bradley Chubb, who spoke about his uh, his fit here with the Miami Dolphins and the culture he's seen already just one day in.
5: Feels great, man. To be honest with you, It feels great just to get around the guys and get around Coach McDaniel and see the the, the culture that's already here. And um, it's a lot of leaders on this team, man. I'm just glad I could come in and fall to a good position where where guys are winning, guys care, and. Um, and we could get after this, these playoff run, this Super Bowl, and, and accomplish all the goals we we go out there and fight for.
4: And how about what Bradley knew about head coach Mike McDaniel upon arriving here in South Florida? So luckily, I had a couple
5: of teammates, DJ and uh, Kwan, who told me a lot about him um, before even all this even happened. So, uh, and then when I did get traded, they was like, "Man, you're gonna love him. It's gonna be a great opportunity. Um, he's a little quirky, but he's gonna get the job done. He's gonna get everybody bought in." So. Uh, Uh, i I see what they're saying now he's a good dude man i'm just glad to be around him and uh hopefully we could be around each other for a long time
4: bradley was then asked about the faith shown in him by the miami dolphins for not just the trade but the contract extension and how he feels about that great answer here from new dolphins outside linebacker bradley Chubb.
5: it's huge man it's just a testament to what i've been doing so i just got to come out here and continue to do it you know what i mean and uh, can't take a step back because I'll make excuses for myself I'm in a different city or whatever, but just got hit the ground running, man, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing that with the opportunity against to to Chicago this week and just learning my teammates, man, learning about getting their trust, uh, letting them understand the type of player I am, letting them see it, putting it all out there for them, and like I said, man, we, we got bigger goals, we got so, much, so many things ahead of us, and uh, it's just about how we're going to get there.
4: And of course, we know about Jalen Phillips and the rest of this edge group here in South Florida. How does Bradley Chubb see himself fitting in, and how does he feel about the the pairing with Jalen Phillips? And of course, it's more than just Jalen, but he was asked specifically about the pairing with Jalen Phillips as a guy that once played alongside Von Miller, how those two can grow together and help each other become better players.
5: uh, So it's it's crazy, man. We actually played the Jets kind of like right after the Dolphins did. So I got a chance to see him rush, see this whole defense play out, you know what I mean? And um, I kind of, I always watch the edge guys because I'm going against the tackle. So I'm trying to figure out what tails they got and stuff like that. But when I watched that whole room, man, with with Gink and Mel and JP and uh, all those guys that that were rushing, the passer and Ogba, man, is it's a beautiful sight to see, and I'm glad I could just be a piece of that. You know what I mean? And um, I know uh, all the things that that Jalen does well with his length, with his size. He's one of the biggest humans I've seen. Uh, you know what I'm saying, face to face? And I get to practice that every day with him, so um, it, it's going to be a great opportunity, man. I know he brings that power. He brings that finesse. He could do. He uh, does a great job of bringing both. So I know we can match each other with that. So I'm excited about it.
4: A little bit of a scouting report on his teammates there. How about your scouting report of yourself, Mr. Chubb?
5: I'm a relentless guy, you know what I mean? I'm i going to run to the ball. I'm a, if the ball thirty down 30 yards downfield, I'm going to try to do everything I can to get down there and try to get the ball out. Uh, when it comes to, to rushing the quarterback, man, I like to do a little bit of everything, you know what I mean? I, like, I feel like I get a good combination of uh, size and, and speed so I can use my power, I can use the finesse, whatever the uh, situation comes to, and um, just, like I said, relentless and doing everything I can to help my team win.
4: And how about his fit in this very multiple Miami defense? I mean, I think
5: it's real well, man, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's pretty much the same thing I've been doing for the past couple years. It's just uh, the language is a little bit different and, um, you know what I mean, just the calls and stuff like that. I just got to study and make sure I'm good on every call. Like, I kind of knew the Denver defense like the back of my hand because I was in it for four years at the time. So um, it's just like a – a refresher on having a, to be a, a better pro, you know what I mean? And, and studying my playbook every night and getting to it. So I'm, I'm up for the challenge and I'm excited about it.
4: And how about that private jet plane ride? What were you guys up to on that ride?
5: Sleep. <laughs> I honestly didn't even see Jeff come on the plane. I was so knocked out cause we had to, we, nah, he didn't wake me up. We went from Denver to Dallas and I was knocked out, feet up, had the blanket on me and all I remember was getting to Florida. So um it was about two AM when we landed too. So I, was, I we didn't even barely say anything in the car, but the next morning we were happy for each other and and uh happy for the opportunity.
4: Up next Bradley Chubb asked about his uh I guess how far he thinks this team can take things and really the question was not what the answer brought back, but I loved the answer about the leadership of this team and the culture Here's Bradley Chubb.
5: I see the sky's the limit, man. Like I said, the leadership, man, is that's what's going to take it to wherever we need to go. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm just now getting here. We got player led meetings on on both days and guy, it really means something to guys. You see them how we practiced and, and jog through yesterday, running to the ball 30 yards down the field. And and I'm looking around like, yo, am I doing this right? Like, it, it, you know what I'm saying? Bring me along too, you know what I mean? So I feel like it, the sky's the limit, man, because everybody in, in this organization and this building cares and they understand that uh, to play championship football, you gotta you gotta go the extra mile.
4: I thought this next Q and A here was really good too. Asked about coming into a team that you haven't played with, haven't met any of the guys, and you come in here as one of the you know more highly touted guys, highly paid guys. How do you approach that situation? Here's Bradley Chubb.
5: Yeah, man, I just gotta earn the trust of my teammates, man. Continue to be me. Uh, I feel like when I go out there and play and and. and loving up my teammates after they make a play and them loving me up after I make a play, it's going to, it's going to happen organically. You know what I'm saying? Now it's just like a little weird because like you said, man, I I don't, I haven't played with these guys. I barely, I know Teddy. I know uh, I played with him. So he's seen me put in the work. He's seen me do a lot of stuff. So um, I know how weird it is for somebody to come into a new team and get paid and you know what I mean? And not put no stain with them. So I, my, my main thing is just try to be the best me I can be, show these guys that I'm a hard worker. I'm, I'm going to do everything right or try to do everything right because nobody's perfect, but I'm going to try to do everything right. And whatever it takes for this team to win, I'm going to, you know, two's is going to be there to, to do it.
4: Let's move on here to Jeff Wilson, new Dolphins running back, who was asked about the moment that he reunited with Mike McDaniel and Raheem Mostert.
2: Oh, man, it was, it felt like a reunion. You know, uh, when I first came in the league, those was the guys I knew, you know what I mean? Raheem, like nobody know, but when I was undrafted, he was the person that that, that took me out to breakfast and sat down and, and explained everything to me and talked to me and told me what to expect, how to work. So before I even played a down, before I even knew who he was, before I even really knew who I was, you know what I mean? He took me out to eat, brung me in, just gave me that big brother feel. So that's the type of person he is. And and Mike, man, Mike is Mike. Y'all know Mike, too. Sure. So we've, we've been tied in ever since we met.
4: And Coming over to an offense that he obviously knows very well, he was asked, what do you like about this offense and why do you fit so well within this offense?
2: Oh, man, it's like, you know, it's just like almost like riding a bike. You know what I mean? I've been doing this for day one. You know what I mean? Same, Same run styles, same passes, same one-on-one matchups to get you in the open field. So everything's the same, and you know it's, it's it's something that I've been doing, and it's something that I'm comfortable with now. So it's very very familiar to me, and and I'm excited to be here in this offense.
4: We heard Coach D tell the story about the private workout he had with Jeff Wilson back when he was coming out of North Texas. Let's go ahead and hear what Jeff Wilson remembers about that workout and that meeting with Mike McDaniel for the first time in his entire life. Man, I
2: remember everything. Like at first, like I remember like I being so uptight, like palms sweating like like i felt like just nervous like a nervous wreck and first thing Mike come in y'all like i said y'all know mike now he makes a joke and i just bust out laughing it was like the ice was broke there so after that it just felt like almost if i've been working with this guy all my life you know what i mean it was just it was just the vibe we had, how he was talking, going through the motions that he was taking me through. It was just, you know, he just felt the love. You know what I mean? We didn't even know each other then. So it, it, that was it was, that was real cool. I'll never forget those days.
4: I think y'all will like this one. He was asked, how would you describe your running style? Here's Jeff.
2: Oh, man, I'm I'm downhill. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't like to, to play too many games. You know what I mean? I like to, to get to where I'm going and, and get there as fast as I can. And that's how I kind of take it.
4: Go ahead and finish up here with Jeff Wilson Jr., who was asked about his scouting report on Bradley Chubb, and the reason I wanted to play this for you guys is he tells a great story about when they got ready together for the combine back in their draft season. Oh,
2: man, he a beast, man. Like he's a straight up beast. Um, obviously, you know we played him earlier in this year. You know, ain't got to face him, but besides that. Just to see the type of person he was, working out, getting ready for the combine. You know, we was together out there in Carlsbad at XO. So just to, to get that connection with him, you know, and he's the same person he is now. You know what I mean? After Even after signing his contract, he's still that same person. And that's what I love about him most. You know what I mean? Like, he's never changed. And I don't even – haven't even been with him that period of time. But every time we leak, he's still the same Chubb, And that's what I love about him, man. And he's a – obviously, he's a tremendous player and one of the greats in his league.
4: All so there you go. Bradley Chubb, Jeff Wilson, welcome to Miami. We'll see them in Chicago against the Bears in just a couple of days. We'll have the recap podcast for you guys uh, after the game on Sunday. But plenty more to come here on this podcast, including a lot of audio from the assistant coaches. Great stuff, once again, from the coordinators and positional assistants. And we'll also finish up with E.J. Snyder from Bears Over Beers. That's the final segment coming your way here next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. We heard from the new players in the first segment. Let's go ahead and spin this thing forward to the assistant coaches who met with the media on Thursday. And we talked a lot about Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson, starting here with defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who was asked about the addition of Bradley Chubb. Uh,
1: Yeah, obviously we're excited. Uh, Anytime that you can add a quality player uh, to your roster, um, obviously you're very excited to get that. And then uh, he got here, you know, I know it was a quick turnaround for him. But uh, we've been fast at work uh, getting him caught up with really terminology and things that we're going to ask him to do. And uh, we're very excited to get him out there on the field.
4: And we obviously know Bradley Chubb brings the third highest pressure rate among all edge defenders this season so far through eight games. And it also gives the Dolphins more flexibility in terms of just pressuring or, or bringing four guys on the pass rush. And so I wanted to ask Josh Boyer about the value of being able to get pressure with four and how you view Chubb in this move with an eye towards potentially playing more coverage and just rushing four rushers?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously, if you're rushing with four and you're getting pressure with four, you have more guys in coverage. So, again, I'm not real good with math, but I I, I do know, like, the more guys you put in coverage, usually uh, you have an opportunity um, to do things uh, a little bit more multiple than you do the more guys that you send. And, again, I think it's dependent on – how you feel about your matchups week to week and what what you feel like the offense is doing to you um on how you use guys and where you put them you know so i think that's kind of you know is it advantageous you know like again you could get a sack on a three man rush you know or you could you know you could rush eight and have really good coverage in the back end so you know it goes hand in hand but i would say it opens up a lot more avenues to you from a coverage perspective when you can rush from with four
4: and as he always is coach boyer was fantastic today talking a little bit about You know, getting over the Lions game, or or I should say moving on from the Lions game, talking a little bit about the second half shutouts the last two weeks. You can find these media availabilities in their entirety up on the team YouTube channel. Let's go ahead and finish up here with Coach discussing the Bears running game with a dynamic quarterback, two dang good running backs, and how Miami needs to handle Fields, Herbert, and Montgomery on Sunday.
1: They make it very challenging. I mean, they have a really strong uh, one-two punch with Montgomery and Herbert, um, two different uh, type of runners, uh, but they're both very productive um, they both get opportunities uh, they are a team that is committed to the run um, they have a quarterback that's very dynamic when he is running he's very fast very strong uh, he's physical he's elusive in the open field um, so there's a lot of um, assignment football if you will that has to be you know detailed. With every call that we have, with every play that we could possibly face, so it's it's a it's a massive undertaking, um, but uh, we're really excited for the challenge. Um, so, and we you know have nothing but the utmost respect for their running game. We know they're going to be committed to it. They got two really good backs, and they use the quarterback in it as well. So, and they'll also you know they they're using their receivers on you know jet sweeps or you know, reverses, whatever you want to call them. Um, so um, it's a very dynamic running game that I, that I would say that's very diverse.
4: Let's go ahead and go to the offensive side of the football and offensive coordinator, Frank Smith, who was asked about the addition of new running back, Jeff Wilson. Yeah,
3: I think he brings physicality as a runner, um, like his speed, like his vision. I think he's a great compliment for us. Obviously his experience in the system will be extremely helpful. Um, you know, just when the opportunity presented itself, it was something that with, you know, uh, Mike's history with him and all the guys in San Francisco just seemed like it was uh, an option that we just had to, uh, to take action on.
4: We know about the Dolphins' gaudy third down production this year on offense, particularly behind quarterback Tua Vailoa. Frank Smith was asked about the success on third down, where that comes from. Here's Coach. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I think between the time of early in the season now, we've had You know, a three-game stretch where we were working through some, you know, we had injury issues, guys in and out of the lineup, and um, obviously the second week uh, back with Tua and the guys working together who, you know, honestly have the whole offseason work together. I think that allows you to build on certain things that you had done earlier in the season, and then obviously have the Pittsburgh game work into, I mean, in reality, it's like Tua's first game, second game's Baltimore. You know, first game's back to the Steelers, Next game back is uh, versus Lions. So, honestly, I just think that, you know, guys working together, familiarity is the number one thing that helps. And then um, I just think that the collaboration between the staff and the players and making sure they have a clear vision of what we're trying to execute on was excellent last week. And I think that's just, you know, like everything, uh, it's constantly a work in progress. You know, you're trying to challenge ourselves to maintain that standard. And uh, with the Bears this week, that'll be another challenge.
4: There's a new reporter here this week, a national reporter from The Athletic, who's asking these really, really good questions. And she had a line of questions today to all the guys about the positivity of head coach Mike McDaniel, how quarterback Tua a tongue has traditionally been tough on himself and really you know been his harshest critic and how there potentially could be the need for a balance between that positivity but also like hey you need to do this better here's that question posed to coach frank smith i love this answer i
3: think that daryl bevel is the perfect complement, all right to uh uh what we're doing with the quarterbacks i mean he is so just methodical in his approach i mean man he is the uh on the little details of all the things. I mean, he's just always so locked in on making sure that uh, the quarterbacks are uh, fundamentally sound, understanding the execution of each play, the timing of each play, understanding the nuances of what we're trying to do. So uh, yeah, and I think it's a perfect compliment for us because uh, you know, with his experience being a coordinator in this league for so long, um, and then with Mike's personality, a lot of our personalities and his personality, it's just a great offset because um, you know, as you get through the league, you try and make sure you have, uh, you know, you don't want to have a staff full of everyone of the same personality type, everyone of the same mindset. Otherwise you just sit there and it's either you're going to get a ton accomplished or you're going to get nothing accomplished. But having guys that with uh, different personalities, viewpoints, vantage points that allows you to have uh, one creative thought two, challenging perspectives. Cause I think that's ultimately in life. You want to surround yourself with people with different perspectives and uh, different viewpoints to things. That's why you challenge yourself. And I think that's why uh, Daryl coming from outside the system has been such a great offset. And then just who he is, his guy is a perfect fit for uh, two and Mike.
4: You guys obviously know how I feel about this head coach down here, Mike McDaniel. And I just think that this answer here from Frank Smith, when he was asked, how would you compare the personality and coaching style of Mike McDaniel to the other coaches you have worked with? I think Frank Smith's answer here is really all you need to know.
3: Okay. If you go through my gauntlet, Okay um Well, John has uh, an unbridled love of football that is you can feel it every day. and so does Mike. Um, John Fox had an unbelievable like energy for each day. and uh, Staley, uh, you know, just with the one year with them, I mean he had a, a positive outlook to things and then Sean Payton, uh, you know, he could he had a great feel towards, um, you know, what was needed at the day. You know, he was a great uh, communicator of the vision for the week and each day's daily needs with the players and the staff. So but Mike overall, I mean, the greatest thing about Mike is his, uh, who he is and as a person is what you see is what you get. He's so genuine. Uh, the positive nature is just, you know, never believes he's out of the fight, you know, It's always there's a way we can we can find a way if we just stay, towards the mission, we don't distract ourselves with any negative emotion or negative thought. Um, it truly is a joy to work for a guy like Mike just because you know, the way he sees football and then he adds that energy to it. I mean, it's just, you know, when your boss brings that kind of energy, um, and positivity, what you do, I mean, it's infectious. And I think it's especially infectious here. Um, as you know, you're starting off on a new staff, you're really trying to set the tone. And then when the leader of of the football team uh, has that unwavering positivity every day, it's just, you just feel like, man, what's going to happen today? And you just feel like you got to match it or exceed it. So, I mean, I think hopefully that's what you guys feel when we're out of practice. You don't think it's a bunch of people just standing there with their heads down. It's like you have an energy and passion for your day Uh, because it starts with your leadership. And I think that when the leadership sets the tone that way, it's easy for all of us to set the vision and be able to follow.
4: Coach was also asked about the personality of his quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, and if he's always kind of been this fun, jovial guy. How did you get to know Tua, and how have you seen him progress from a character and personality standpoint? Here's Coach Smith.
3: Um, You saw signs of it. That's kind of who he is, though. He has a lot of fun, Uh, great energy and passion towards what he's been doing. I think that it's always been there. And then the hard thing is when you come into a new staff is that players, they're trying to feel you out a little bit and trying to figure out where where are we gonna be you know in relationship? Is it gonna be, are you gonna be up and down or any just, I think that when you set, I mean, it goes back to the last question of uh, when the culture and the standard and the communication patterns are set and it's based in uh, positivity and energy, it makes it easy to just be yourself, all right? Cause you're not worried about the consequences of You know, necessarily like you're getting every play, you're getting whatever. You just worry about being your best. And I think that's where you can see with Tua, his concentration with, you know, Bev uh, has been to be fundamentally sound, understand what we're trying to accomplish in our plays. And then now with the success comes out your personality. So, yes, uh, as I circled all the way back around, yeah, this is kind of the guy that we kind of saw, you know, you saw the glimmers of because you see it in your interactions with him kind of when you uh, first met him. And now, I mean, it's just really exciting because now we're hitting, you know, essentially the middle of the season. And then, as we talked about in here, we're starting to really feel what this football team is. And now we just got to keep executing and playing upon the uh, good things we're doing. And just, you know, it's a constant challenge to improve on the things that uh, each week, you know, presents a new challenge that we got to clean up to get better for the next week.
4: And then we'll finish up here with Coach about not just the personality of two, but how do you see him operating at a higher level this season based upon what you saw on his film coming into the season when you were hired here back in the, was it February and, or maybe March? I can't, uh, one of those months. And what you saw on film then compared to what you see now, how has Tua grown uh, as
3: a player? I think ultimately um, you would say that he has a great understanding of the timing of each play and where everyone's supposed to be. And also that in turn is because the guys around him understand where they need to be in the time of each play. So I think that his understanding of what the offense is trying to do and working with this guy, the guys to be where they need to be allows you now to take the next step of, you know, working aspects of the coverage, right? Manipulating defenders more. So I think that would probably be the biggest thing outside of the fundamentals that he's really I mean he already kind of naturally had like you could see it and now you can see now the timing of each play and the consistency I think that's where he's made the most most growth
4: Let's go ahead and stay on Tua. I had a chance to ask Coach Daryl Bevel, the quarterback's coach down here, about how Tua has been able to come into a system where I've heard anything from eight games to two years before you're completely comfortable and feel natural in the system. How have you seen a guy that's been able to come down here and through six games look like he has complete mastery of an offense with the pre-snap reads, post-snap application, anticipation with the football? Here's Coach Bevel. Um,
0: well, I, I think Tua's done a great job in terms of um, really diving into the, to this offense and trying to make sure that he knows where all the bones are buried and, and uh, the important parts of the play. He's really bought into the footwork, and I think that's the thing. You know, I've, I've had a few conversations with you guys about that. And um, he's, he's just done a really nice job of, of understanding what the concepts of what we're trying to do and then letting his feet speak to
4: him. Yeah, he's been consistent on that message about Tua's footwork. And again, calling back to the old locked-on Dolphins days in the 2019 season leading up to the 2020 NFL Draft, what do we talk about all the time? How smooth and how quick and how efficient the footwork is for this quarterback? Starting to see more and more of that here in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and move on to the deep ball question. I just... Uh, throwing verticals maybe Taking shots downfield Something about deep balls I, I just don't like the way it sounds But that's how the question was posed How has Tua progressed Throwing the deep ball?
0: Well, you know I I think there's been um, You know there, There's been some people That have been pretty hard on Tua um, and we've been, you know, from day one, we've been very confident in him. And can he throw the deep ball? Yes. Has he been able to throw the deep ball? Yes. Um, is he throwing it? Is he throwing it well? Yeah, he's throwing it well. Can we improve? Absolutely. You know, and you're still learning. You're still learning your players. Still learning. You know, I mean. As you can tell, Tyreek is very fast, and so is Jalen. You know, so um, there's there's difference to, to throwing deep balls to those guys. I thought the one that he threw to Jalen in the game for the touchdown was about as good as a throw as he's made so far. And so, um, really really like that throw. Um, you need to when you can, you need to let those guys run. So those are all conversations that we're talking about all the time. But um, love where two is at with really all areas. Um, I mean, he's grown in so many areas behind the scenes that you guys don't even get to see just in terms of his preparation, um, the, the, um, the things that he's doing to uh, off the field to make sure that he's working on his game, he's working on his team, and he's doing a great job with that.
4: I also wanted to ask Coach Bev about his perspective on that throw to Tyreek against that zero coverage look of the Lions on third and twelve last week, because it was so impressive getting that ball out so quickly. Here's Coach Bev on that deep shot to Tyreek Hill on third and twelve last week.
0: Uh, um, it was just, he, I mean, he was able to see the coverage. You know, it was it was zero coverage that they that they put out there. So we know that there's going to be one free guy that that two is going to be responsible for. And, uh, you know, he was able to read it, feel it. And he put it exactly in the spot that we wanted him to. You know, can we be picky and say, yeah, throw it, you know, throw it about two yards further? Yes, we can. But um, we had, you know, you have the free guy. And there's there's timing on when that guy's going to be free and how fast the guy can get there. And the way it ended up turning out, it did a great job with that.
4: And I had to follow up and ask him about the speed and the way that Tyreek Hill closes ground because I've never seen something like it. I wanted to know if Coach Bevel had seen something like that coach.
0: No, he, I mean, it's, it's incredible to watch. It's fun to watch every day. And, um, you know, the, the old saying, if he's even, he's leaving. I mean, that's, that's about a, you know, I've never seen it more true than him. I mean, if he's, if he's getting on five, you know, within five yards of the guy, I mean, that's about even for him. He's leaving.
4: Really fun stuff today with the coaches. Let's go ahead and take our last break here and get to our guest on the other side, flipping this thing around this week with media at the front with Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson. We'll hear from EJ Snyder. Talking Chicago Bears, Miami Dolphins. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is one of my favorite people on the planet. He's the co-creator and co-host of the Bootleg Football Podcast. Check that out for all things NFL if you have not done so already. He's the host of Bears Over Beers. He's EJ Snyder. EJ, welcome in, and I'm dying to talk Bears to you, but I want to know this even more because I don't think I've talked to you since I saw the news that you recently transitioned from having, you know, and I'm using air quotes here for the audio platform, real job to full time football content creator. How were you enjoying that lifestyle, my friend?
6: I'm just following in your footsteps. You've made this <laughs> jump, uh, you and many others. So it's been a whirlwind, as you know, It's a it's a big change in a lot of ways it's been fantastic. It certainly hasn't slowed down at all. And probably the biggest surprise is way less free time than you think. You think, hey, I'm going to drop the other job. I'm going to have all this time to create all this content. I'm going to go down all these rabbit holes. And then you realize there's a lot of other things that fill in all that time. So a bit of a balance, but loving it so far.
4: Yeah. It's funny when uh, when you're paid based upon how much content you do. It's like, how do you ever stop? I mean, I had that same problem where it's like, I just want to keep putting things out there because, you know, it all winds up coming back to me in the end. But it's it's really cool to see, man. I've been seeing your travel all over the country, uh, taking shots out of bowling balls with the Bills Mafia. <laughs> like, I, I just see you living the dream, brother. And I, really, I like seeing it, man.
6: It's it's a lot of fun. It's been great to get out to a bunch of NFL games this year. Been to a few college games as well. Um, does give you a very different experience on the ground. I wouldn't necessarily say better if you're really interested <laughs> in analysis, uh, but very, very different, and and certainly the recent trip to Buffalo, those fans are great. I realize that's that's the enemy on this particular podcast, but Uh, great folks and very welcoming of opposing fans as well.
4: Well, hey, we we like them a little more now that we have a victory over them this season and hopefully we can make it two in December. But we have you on here to talk about a game coming up on Sunday, Dolphins and Bears. You know, these teams meet every four years sans exhibition season. And I want to get you on here to give us a perspective from Chi-Town. And, you know, your draft content, in my opinion, is only topped by the summer preview series that you and Brett do on bootleg. And, you know, since the quarterback there in Chicago is a recent draft pick, kind of feels like we're getting the best of both worlds here. So EJ, he was my, Justin Fields, was my quarterback two that season. He might be my QB1 in that class with the benefit of hindsight now. I think it's between him and Lawrence. And finally, my question for you, we've seen his production increase the last few weeks. I just kind of want you to take us on the ride from draft prospect to what they are doing now to better accentuate Justin Fields' strengths.
6: Yeah, that's been a bit of a roller coaster, so it's good to start at the beginning. Obviously, a highly decorated player at Ohio State that had every accolade and really every physical tool that you could want, so highly sought after. For me, he was 1A. I couldn't really put him at 2, but I couldn't really put him over Trevor either. He was right there, and again, depending on fit, which we talk about all the time, he could have been 1. Turns out the fit he landed in was terrible. Uh, Matt Nagy and his staff, for whatever reason, we're not interested in crafting a plan, giving him reps, really developing him the way you need to with a young quarterback. As a result, he looked terrible. His first game, he got massacred. Obviously, that wasn't good for his confidence, nor did they create a game plan that really accentuated his strengths. With the regime change in Chicago, Matt Eberflus comes in. He grabs Luke Getzey as his offensive coordinator from Green Bay. And even through the first part of this year, there were some very serious growing pains, which there are always with a new staff. However, what we've really seen since the mini-buy, since they had a Thursday night game and a 10-day stretch to really look, this staff has done an amazing job of sitting down, being incredibly honest with themselves about what they had and what they didn't, uh, both in coaching and with Justin Fields, and meshing those two things. And since that time, the last couple of weeks, We've seen an offensive output out of Justin Fields that we've never seen from him as a pro. And Getze deserves a ton of credit for actually sitting down and saying, what does he do well? What does he like to do? What does he do poorly? And I'm going to craft a plan specifically for him and hone it. And I think that's really what the mini buy allowed them to do was they had all those pieces in place and they could take out the bad ones and really push up the good ones. And mostly we've seen more quarterback-designed runs, which seems like a duh for somebody with (laughs) Justin Fields' physical gifts, but we hadn't seen him before. Most of his runs had been scrambles and broken plays, and now we're seeing – a very defined quarterback run game, much like we do out of the Ravens. And that's powered the offensive
4: success. And those are your top two rushing quarterbacks in the NFL and the top two rushing teams in the NFL. So it makes the most sense. And, you know, he is, in my opinion, the biggest threat in the run game for that Bears team. But it's not like a slight to the running backs because they're very good too. You know, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery are hardly a drop-off in their own right. Did you know that no trio of teammates this year, according to Pro Football Focus, has more tackles forced or missed forced tackles, I should say, than Fields, Herbert Montgomery, they are really good, really tough to get to the ground. In your estimation, how has this run game managed to be so dominant with those two backs factoring in with Justin Fields?
6: It's a great question. The run game has been sort of a pleasant, under-the-radar surprise for a team that has struggled offensively up until the last couple of weeks. The run blocking has been simplified a little bit and guys are coming off the ball together they understand very clearly what they have to get done even though some individual assignments have failed especially in pass protection this unit is starting to develop an identity which has been sorely lacking from any of the offense in Chicago over the last couple of years they now know they can do this and do it well they know they've got a great pair of backs behind them Um, it leads them to liking it and that's a snowball effect if they can come off the ball and punish people and get things done they tend to want to do it more both of the backs are very good either one could start Montgomery's extremely good between the tackles he's decisive shifty in short spaces and powerful that's how he breaks tackles herbert is much more explosive a real threat in the open field looks the wide outside zone stuff he can also break tackles but he has more juice to break tackling tackling angles as well he's got that speed so the short story is montgomery will run through you and herbert will run by you
4: So we've seen, you know, speaking of of explosive plays in the offense, I mean, the Bears have really gone to work remaking the receivers' room, and it hasn't been, you know, marquee names like you saw with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, but they have put a lot of resources into the receivers' room more recently with Chase Claypool, who might be the best of the bunch, and a guy that we saw down here just two weeks ago as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. What does Chase Claypool's addition to that room do to reshape that receivers' room?
6: Well, it needed reshaping. That needs to be said. And it's not that they haven't tried. They tried to bring in a couple of elements that they really felt they didn't have in the off season. And those were size and contested catch ability. They tried, they signed Byron Pringle from Kansas city. Unfortunately, he spent most of this year hurt. And then they traded for Nkeel Harry to see if they could get something out of the former Patriots wide receiver again with blocking ability size and contested catch. He hasn't been on the field much either. Claypool brings both of those things and adds an element of speed on top of it. So No disagreement in terms of the fact that he might be best of the bunch. He really complements what Darnell Mooney can do for the offense and really frees Mooney up to do more of that um, with free looks or less double teams. He adds another quality starter for Chicago, specifically for Fields. We've seen this little sort of mini development bump from Fields over the last couple of weeks. I really think that factored into this trade, and both the GM and the coach said, okay, we're on the right track. We sort of have to add some gas to the tank. we got to add some fuel to the fire. Let's go get Fields another weapon, and Claypool is exactly that.
4: Were you a pretty big Darnell Mooney pre-draft guy? I can imagine you were. I actually loved him, (laughs)
6: and even though I loved him, I thought he was drafted mm, about in the correct range, which was down in the fifth. I would have maybe started in the fourth, but that's really what I thought he was good at. The amount of growth he showed post-draft surprised even me. He's a very quick learner, and he could do more than he was doing at Tulane, and he showed that with the Bears. So I've been extremely pleased with his development as a young receiver.
4: I was talking to one of the guys that does local news down here. He's a, he covers the Heat mostly, but Dolphins as well. And I was talking about a, a pass that Bam Adebayo had to, to Gabe Vincent for a big lay-in late in the Heat game over the Kings the other night. And he was talking about how he loves those intangibles. I said, those are my favorite things in sports, is identifying intangibles that are are hard to see you know, for the general eye. That, to me, is Mooney's game. Just how, how quick he is, how nuanced he is with his route running, how he attacks blind spots and leverage. Man, I, I love his game so much, and I just, I just knew you would, too, so I wanted to put it out there for you, EJ. Uh, on the other side of the football, going to the Bears' defense here, we know that Roquan Smith is now gone. Robert Quinn, a couple weeks ago, traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Akeem Hicks left this offseason. But really the first two guys, I mean, to go back-to-back weeks and lose you know, two of the leaders of the defense and we saw them play in this defense very recently. Not we you know, we haven't had a game without Roquan yet, but I'm curious what are the Bears doing or going to do to replace the production of Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith?
6: Yeah, uh, these were calculated moves and they had a lot more to do with the future of the Bears, the amount of money that was allocated both to the defense and to particular players. It wasn't at all a slight to either Robert Quinn yep. or Roquan Smith. Both were leaders, uh Teammates have struggled with the losses. Uh, They've been openly emotional about those guys not being in Chicago anymore. So it's not that they weren't well-liked or weren't playing very well. It's that Ryan Poles sat down and said, what are we going to be in two or three years? Where do we want our money, and are these guys going to be here long term? What the Bears are really looking at, certainly for the pass rushes, Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson, two young guys, Travis Gibson in his second year, Dominique Robinson, the rookie this year, they're going to have to continue to grow more into every down type threats. Both have played well in short stretches this year, but they're now really going to get a heavier balance of snaps to help develop their games. Probably a net positive in the long run. If you can get either one or both of those guys to develop, continue to develop as pass rush threats, that's going to be sort of a net gain overall down the road for the Bears. For inside linebacker, Nicholas Morrow, who's brought over from the Raiders in the offseason, has played solidly to well most games, but he's going to have to step up. He has the most experience in the system now. The other inside linebacker spot up for grabs, um, UDFA and preseason standout, Jack Sanborn's probably going to get a shot at filling that role, but don't sleep on AJ Klein, the guy that came yeah. back from the Ravens in that trade. I think that's a sneaky acquisition by polls and Eberflus and really Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator to be able to say, Hey, we can get a guy that we think can do a fair amount. He certainly doesn't have Roquan's range, but I think they can plug him in. He's not a young guy. He's got a lot of experience and he's played decently in stretches He might get the first shot to step up, but I really hope Sanborn steps in over time because he showed some great flashes and really, I think developmental potential to do a lot more than he did at Wisconsin when he stepped in for the Bears in the preseason.
4: If I recall correctly, I think AJ Klein on my Thursday podcast, I talked about how he has like 4,300 career snaps and Jack Sanborn has like 13 on defense so you were getting either end of the spectrum there in terms of experience of those two guys but curious to see who it is on sunday and going forward for this fun looking bears team finishing up here in the secondary going you know kind of group by group here it's a group that loves to find the football like what the hell is it about bears defensive backs and punching footballs out like 13 takeaways they, six of their seven force fumbles are from DBs. Two rookies playing well back there in Brisker and Gordon. Tell us about the composition of the secondary, how they play, maybe what we can expect to see this Sunday against a really tough Dolphins receiving core.
6: Yeah, if there's any piece of the Bears that mirrors the Dolphins, it's the secondary. It's talented. It's fairly young. It's really the strength of the entire squad right now, and that shouldn't be too much of a surprise because they invested heavily in the draft spending their first two picks this year on secondary players, Brisker and Gordon, who you mentioned. Both of the young guys have played well early. Brisker immediately, from the jump through the preseason and even into the early season starts, he played very well and looked like an impact player. Gordon had struggles. They moved him between nickel and outside. That was a plan to get him experience at both spots, but that's tough on a rookie was really high on Kyler Gordon coming out of Washington, and he's really found his groove over the last four games, sort of quietly in the, in the two previous, number four, number three, and then in the last two weeks, it's been a bit more open. He's made more plays, looked really comfortable settling into those roles, and now with those rookies' strong play, veteran Eddie Jackson – he can concentrate on his own responsibilities. He doesn't have to worry about covering for the guy next to him or the guy next to him. And that's really led him back to his ball hawking ways. we saw it last week against Dallas. Um, and the other guy to keep an eye on is Kendall Wilder. Um, the defense brought over from Indianapolis under Matt Eberflus and D.C. Allen Williams really suits Wilder better than last year's defense. And he's played under the radar very well this year.
4: Yeah, he's he was a guy they spotlighted in the in the uh, Cowboys game last week. Watching that one back, and you mentioned Eddie Jackson, man. Was it four picks this year? Just he seems to find the football. My, one of my keys will stay away from Eddie Jackson because he is pretty <laughs> dang good. But um, yeah, it's it's it should be a fun matchup, man. I think it's going to be a lot closer than maybe you would have thought coming into the season. EJ asked this. I asked this question to every guest I have in the podcast for these previews. The Bears will win this game if, and then you fill in the blank.
6: All right, I got three keys for you. The first one is they need to fit the run well. They didn't do it against Dallas, and it doomed them. If they don't do it well against a Mike McDaniel coach team, they're not going to be able to keep up. The secondary needs to create some turnovers. They've played well. They need to surprise this very good Dolphins receiving core, which is clicking right now. It's going to be a tough task. It'll be fun to watch. And the last one is use fields as a true true dual threat to put the Miami defense in rough matchup situations. And if they can do that, they can find some cracks. They might get a big player too. And again, like you said, this game might be a little bit closer than we thought it was going to be as we looked at it in the preseason.
4: Yeah, bears are rolling right now. Offense looks good. Run game looks good. Dolphins are clicking as well. Should be a fun matchup. I think out there in Chicago, he is EJ Snyder bootleg football podcast bears over beers, windy city gridiron draft Analyst, and you can find him on Twitter at football EJ. EJ, thank you so much for your time today. And please tell me, what else can we promote here? What's coming on the pike on bootleg and all the places you're working at?
6: Absolutely, it's. I appreciate the opportunity. Bootleg Football Podcast is out the first half of every week. We recap everything that went on in the previous week of the NFL. We've also got Thursday night football live streams. We kick those off 30 minutes before kickoff and stay with you the entire game. And Bears Over Beers comes out on Thursday of every week during the season, and we've made that into more of an all-22 preview show where we both pick a player and walk you through what they did in the last game.
4: Perfect. That's right up my alley. I'll check it out for you guys. So there you go. EJ Snyder again. Thank you so much for your time today, my friend. And we will see you again, I'm sure, uh, in draft season.
6: Can't wait, Travis. Thanks so much.
4: I'm telling you, legit, one of the nicest people I've ever met before, especially in this particular industry. All right, let's go ahead and call it a podcast right there. Sunday Night Recap Podcast coming your way post-game show as well. Don't forget to check us out across all platforms, audio, video, written, whatever you want to see for your Miami Dolphins, you can find it right here. Uh, also, in the meantime, you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Check out the Fish Tank Show uh, podcast, I should say, with Juice and Seth. Check out our Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. The post-game show on 560 WQAM and plenty more content. Also on the YouTube channel for these media availabilities in their entirety. You also have Dolphins today, some drive time, and Fish Tank content as well and last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline daddy's coming home